And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Well, quite the pair of games since we last saw you for a white always us. A real Carabao Cup Christmas cracker against Liverpool last week, and then City got the job done as the Premier League returned in an entertaining match at Elland Road. Welcome to this week's show. We are your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney, joined by Sam Lee. Hello. And there's a very special festive offer for The Athletic right now. You can sign up for a pound a month for your first 12 months by going to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. But you've only got until New Year's Day to sign up. So head on over to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod and sign up. And before 2023, you'll get 12 months for a pound a month. Um, Sam, let's start with uh, a, a little bit of a rundown of, uh, of the Leeds game because it's still quite fresh in everyone's memories. Um, yep. here's, here's what Guardiola said uh, straight after the game. Here's, here was uh, his assessment. More than satisfied, really well in all the aspects. The most intense Premier League team. We were able to make our ball quicker. To not, don't let them to, to arrive in our positions. We were patient enough. Right, left, left, right. And... Uh, in the second half, we were a little bit more and con- yeah, we didn't control as much well, but in general, it was a perfect. So we missed out of chances. We play good. So I'm so satisfied. In you know, like you know, sometimes when Guardiola gives his assessment of games, and you go, "Well, I didn't really see it like that." Um, I'm I'm very much on the same page there. I was very impressed with how City controlled the game, uh, especially early on uh, when it could have been quite uh, when Leeds could have gone for a real big opening sort of thing, um, and all that kind of first half up until stoppage time missed was a goal really and then they got the goal in stoppage time anyway yeah um so i, I i'm i'm not going to talk about it too much because i feel like we've done it a lot but also i did i did write about it because I, I feel like it kind of needs to reach it, the article i've done is kind of it's obviously for a city audience but there's a big benefit for like a non-city audience as well because it's like if you're watching a city game like at leeds or at brentford or palace or everton or something and you're thinking oh this could be tricky like, I hope there's an upset. Oh, obviously, City fans will be watching it going, oh, I hope Foden plays and I hope we like, tear them to bits. It's like, you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get what you want unless something's gone badly wrong. And if he plays Grealish and Mahrez and other players and, you know, general approach, but if he plays Grealish and Mahrez, you know what you're going to get. And he wants to slow the game down. He wants to control it. And when he said there, we were patient enough to go right, left, left, right. Exactly what he wants. Yeah. And the thing I, what, the thing I was thinking about, like, these performances last night. So Leicester, for example, it was the same thing, wasn't it? Especially as they didn't have Haaland. So it was just a kind of be patient, left, right, right, left. Don't let that team, Leicester I could put in with those teams I just mentioned, don't let them build their momentum. Don't let them get counterattacks. If it's Brentford, you know, don't let them have set pieces to put the ball into the box. Do you remember that game at Bournemouth in uh, March 2019 when it was like the tennis really? running? Yeah, and Bournemouth it- didn't even have a shot, they didn't have a corner. It was really oh, no. horrible to watch, except City were in total control of it. And, and that it, Brentford yeah. away game last year was horrible. And people were like, City won 1-0. And it was horrible to watch. But Brentford didn't have any chances. 
it's horrible to watch. And you could come away from it thinking, like the Leicester game. Do you remember, obviously, that Leicester game with De Bruyne scoring the free kick? People kind of came away from it going, I wasn't, you know, City weren't really the best and they weren't really clicking. And obviously, look, there's, I'm not saying there aren't times when City just give the ball away. And they just, you know, maybe some players do have bad games or whatever. But it's like, these games are kind of supposed to look ugly, really. They're supposed to slow things down and stop the opposition from doing what they want to do purely just by having the ball and not rushing the last pass and being yeah. patient, as Guardiola just said there. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. But obviously then, if you play that type of game, and normally, normally City win that way. But then you, let's say, because a good example of this was Palace away last season when it was nil-nil. And you come away and City haven't won. Or if, if they lose, all of a sudden, it's not just City fans, but like everyone's like, oh, what's going on with City? They played really badly there. And it's like, mm, I think they played exactly how they were supposed to. The game looked exactly how it was supposed to look. But ultimately, they didn't take their chances and the other team scored on the break or got a set piece or whatever. It, those games are, by default, supposed to be ugly. And the thing was, last night, it was kind of good point good time to make that point because the game wasn't especially ugly um, but that kind of means it didn't work that well you know in the first <laughs> half the first half the first half was perfect if you're going to play that game and be patient and you create loads of chances that is brilliant and City got the goal on half time which is exactly what they deserved um, they played that really well but then obviously like the last 15 minutes once Leeds scored but like the subs had come on and for various different reasons it wasn't Rhythm because wasn't quite the same, yeah. gone off but it was just the end of that game was chaotic and the score could have been anything. I'm not really saying Leeds could have equalised, but there were times when it was... Like, even when they had like a corner. No, they won a corner just as it was the 90th minute and they just announced it was five minutes left and all the fans were like, yeah, come on. And it was like, yeah, like, if they were to score from this corner, this would be horrible at the end of the game. But also City had like three golden chances in the last like 10 minutes. And like, they had three golden chances in like other really good chances and then all of a sudden you think hold on a minute why are there so many chances in this game at both ends this isn't what Guardiola wanted to, them to do and obviously that, that's kind of normal it's the end of the game it can get stretched it wasn't through any real fault of City's own I'm sure I'm sure he would say there were you know he could pinpoint things there were but it wasn't like City were doing it terribly the game just got stretched and again that's the perfect example stop it getting stretched by just slowing things down I think it's probably because it was that thing we've talked about before there were chances on the break because as soon as as soon as Leeds got one goal, they were kind of like, oh, fuck it. Let's go for it now. And then obviously, the more they were going for it, they were leaving spaces. De Bruyne was in acres every time. And City players are going to be like, well, we can't say no to this. Like We cannot say no to these kind of attacking opportunities. But obviously, like Haaland missed a couple of chances throughout the game, but one at the end. There was other chances that were missed. And then it was like the Newcastle thing. If you miss the chance and it doesn't, either, it doesn't go out of play or, or go into the goal, they're attacking straight away now. And then that's what happened. And it, I just thought it was a good point to to write about how Guardiola usually likes to approach those games because still everyone's like, I want to see this, I want to see that. We need dynamism, we need energy. And it's like, well, that's not what Guardiola wants. You know, Maybe City would have won 6-2 there by trying to blitz leads anyway. And, you know, that's, that's always the argument. But then I'd just always come back to uh, that way of playing as served City with so many titles so there's no point in complaining about it now but yeah. it works I, I just want to pick you up on something you said in there as well about uh, knowing when to attack and when to when to kind of keep possession and not 
exploit that space that Leeds were leaving. Um, I think I, I think it was you that tweeted about De Bruyne on the, uh, the third, third goal. goal. Yeah, uh, about how they they almost kind of went, okay, I'm not, we're we're not, we're not going to rush this, and then the opportunity mm. was just too good to turn down. Yeah, exactly. I, I, well, I mean, that was how I kind of perceived it. And you know what we're like, you know, if we've got one idea in our heads about how things work, we kind of see it through that prism, don't we? And look, there's there's a million other things going on at City that you know that would have led to um, who who started the game and the way they played and whatever. But obviously, you could tell. Well, I'm glad because I, I hadn't actually heard what Guardiola had said after the game. But I'm glad when in that clip he played, he'd said patient, right to left, left right, because I was like, right, okay, good. <laughs> it kind of confirms what I, I was under the impression anyway. But yeah, I was the way I was looking at the move pan out was like there is space to to go here. But I was like, oh, yeah, City have just kind. Of, I think it might have been De Bruyne initially. And I was like, he just kind of circled back because I think Leeds had just had an attack. City could have had an attack. He just kind of circled back. He was like, All right, actually, we're not going to go full out of the goal. We'll just play around, slow it down. But then the next pass to De Bruyne was just the right pass to play, and then he had loads of space. So it's just like, well. That's what I was saying before. It's not necessarily like City doing stupid things when they get into these situations when they can counterattack, especially when you've got Haaland. Like if you're playing in, if you've got Haaland running in behind and there's a massive through ball on, like you, you just got to do it. Like I don't know, maybe maybe Guardiola would say don't because in this article I've gone back to a a clip from after the Chelsea game, which we talked about. It was like the fans want to see us counterattack in these situations in transition, but we can't. We just need to. You know, take the ball into the corner and a thousand million passes, and so maybe you would say, "Look, don't play the ball into Erling there." But it's like it's just, you just would do. Yeah. And to be fair, when I spoke to Bernardo about this before the World Cup, he was like, "Obviously, when we get the opportunity to attack, we've got to do it." But generally, we've got to be patient, and that was kind of the thing in the last fifteen minutes. There were just loads of opportunities when it, you could, as a player, justifiably think. Well, this is one of those opportunities where we have to attack, like we have to do this. And obviously, going back to that third goal, that was what must have gone through De Bruyne's head the second time. Because having played the ball backwards the first time, the second time he got it, just in space on the edge of the box, and he was like, "Well, I'm just going to drive towards him," and then laid the ball off to the left, and Haaland and Grealish combined as they did, and and they finished it off. Um, so yeah, it's. I just thought it was a, a good game to to kind of make that point. But there'll be other games in future, you know if. If you write that article after City draw nil nil in the Champions League with Dortmund or whoever, and, it, and it's a crap game, and you go, "Oh, this is actually really useful," people are like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But then if you do it after <laughs> you beat Leeds three one, it's like, "Okay, like, this is this is what they're doing." It doesn't always look like this, but this is what they're doing. Yeah. So it's like next time you're watching a City game at like Brentford or something, don't you know? Don't expect it to be end to end, or don't expect. I mean. I'd be very worried, obviously, going to Brentford because of what happened at the Etihad. But I don't expect an upset necessarily because if you remember how it went last season, they barely had a chance after the first like ten minutes when Ake cleared one off the line. Like, yeah, that's just how they do it. And it's like this is this is what's got City so far. Like, I know people don't like it, but it's like, well, if you look at the big picture, like, what's not to like? If this if it's getting the wins, and at the end of the season it comes down to one point with Liverpool again or whoever again, all those wins matter, and that's the way they've done it. Yeah, um, we've touched on uh, missed chances a little bit there. Guardiola was asked about uh, Haaland and Grealish's performances in that press conference. This is what he said. He missed chances, uh, hopefully can do better. But yeah, the numbers are exceptional and it's an incredible threat for us. And 
and and always is in the right position in the right time and yeah really good and the combination with Jack Grealish as well Jack with two assists tonight uh, yeah it was good in the first half he missed chances he has to improve on that in terms of just mentality to be aggressive there and be I'm going to score I'm going to score but that's a big show you know the quality to be generous it's incredible love in every for everyone because it's is what it is. It's so humble, uh, and and do the, the perfect assist for Erling. Pat, with the elements of frustration tonight as well, we saw you take frustration out on a water bottle at one point as well. What what was it? What part? We can do better. We can do better. So that's it for perfection. Yeah, our build-up can do better. There we have it. Um, the water bottle thing, just before we go on to the chances, Sam, uh, that comedy run towards the dugout, I don't know if you've seen it back. I'm not um, seeing it. I'm not seeing oh, it. It's, it's fantastic. He boots the water bottle and then realises that he's basically booted it at the Leeds bench and so rushes over to apologise, mm. but does it in a kind of Mr Bean comedy, hands-on-head sort of way. It, like on, It's <laughs> it's real, It's like straight out of the Monty Python playbook. It's fantastic. Um yeah, go and have a look at it if you can. Um, I'm going to search for it right now, but yeah. I, I will endeavour for that not to distract me while while you ask me the next question. Yeah, it's, I found it. It's very much worth it. Um, now, we've said uh, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, we said that uh, City, last season we were saying that City just needed a striker to finish off all those chances that they missed in previous seasons. I wasn't then, saying that, but go on. Well, yeah. yeah. Really <laughs> uh, but then uh, it, it's quite something, isn't it, when uh, Haaland yeah. scores a brace and misses three one-on-ones. Oh well, in fairness, yeah, that that yeah. Well, he, he was he was quite annoyed afterwards, and like, he's right to be, I guess. I mean, he's always very kind of not so much harsh on himself, but he just wants to score every single goal that's ever been scored, doesn't he? So yeah. if if he's the one missing the chances after you know being at the World Cup and saying he was angry to see other players scoring the goals, you know, if he then gets chances and two games in a row now, he's had a chance in like the first forty seconds. Yeah, I, I I didn't understand how that like I I thought the Liverpool one was like okay uh, that's just that's just a bit well, slack. He, he was offside famously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a good uh, what what was that a good uh, must have been five maybe ten yards uh, on yeah on yeah, um, but like yeah like thirty forty seconds in gets that chance in the in the Liverpool game. I think that one's quite a difficult one, but I can see why. I he's thought the, the as two people who have never played football certainly never had to score goals at any level I thought I when you because when you put that in the notes I thought the Liverpool one was easier like the keeper's miles out of his goal like there's nothing he can do just kind of you've got kind of a large area to kind of curl it around him it, it is, this, this goalkeeper is no impediment to you whatsoever whereas last night obviously Mesli made a very good save but uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I just thought I, I thought the distance out and the, the target he had to aim for made it a bit harder. But you know, here we are. I, 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 like, who am I to start telling Erling Haaland what is an easy and difficult chance? I get that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's wild just how how quickly the chances were falling to him after the after the yeah. break. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the thing, isn't it? Um, he's amazing at getting chances for himself. His finishing instincts are very good, and obviously he's in this team, which is just going to be amazing at creating chances for him. Like it's it's that combination, which means he's got twenty Premier League goals already. And like obviously now it's the end of December, but if it wasn't for the World Cup, you know those twenty Premier League goals would have come well before Christmas. And you know obviously in the summer, even you know some people thought okay maybe it's going to take him a bit of time, or some people obviously you know. The, People on Twitter looking for interactions were saying, "Oh yeah, you know, Callum Wilson's going to score more goals. Gabriel Jesus is going to score more goals. Whatever." But like, some people, oh yeah, it might take him a bit of time. And then and invariably, 
somebody would have said, maybe I would have said, 20 Premier League goals would be a good season. And it would be like 20, 20 is just well, the benchmark, isn't it? Let in me, English football, let, it's just the benchmark for a striker's goals per season. Yeah, let, let me just let me just read you this list. Uh, okay. Uh, Michael Owen's best season, 19 goals. Um, Nicholas Anelka's best season, 19 goals. Jermaine Defoe's best season, 18 goals. Uh, Stephen Gerrard midfielder doesn't really count, but 16 goals is his best uh, season. Robbie Keane, 16 goals is his best season. These are some Premier League wow. great strikers. Yeah, that you know what? That's funny. That's that's really good. That's a really good stat because, like I say, it's it's the benchmark that everyone aims to, but clearly it's not the benchmark that everyone gets to. I, mean, I suppose players in the well, very surprised about Owen. Very surprised about Owen. I can only imagine his hamstrings went just as he was on the verge of of hitting twenty, yeah. doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, Defoe and 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 Keane have not always been in teams, you know, like City basically, where it's just a chance creating machine. But it it does go to show you would have. Or always assume like if that was on pointless, you go Premier League players to have scored more than twenty goals. You almost wouldn't say Robbie Keane and Defoe because you just think it's too, too obvious. obvious. Yeah, I, you know it's really sad that my my head before you even said it went to if you were on pointless and that was the question. God, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, kind of an idea of the demographic that that me and you are. But we do try and cater <laughs> for everyone. But yeah, sometimes. I don't know, Simpson references and office references and and pointless is just as cultured as you're going to get. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, Sam, we've done uh, Grealish to death as well, so I don't really want to rake over old ground here. Um, yeah. What I will say, though, is um, in a weird way, I was very relieved that he assisted uh, the second and third goals because I thought he was having so a good day, but for the fact that he'd missed a, like real, mm. real um, big sitters in that first half. Um, and then there was a very strange discussion, I thought, after the game about whether he was right to have squared it to Haaland, which I, I, I find it really odd because, one, City scored, and two, it was absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I tweeted during the game, well, just afterwards, I was like, look, it's absolutely the right decision to do, and like he should have done it, and everyone would have done it. It was the right decision. But after the first half he had, he was never going to shoot, was he? Like, you yeah. can... And, but again, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't the case because I think we do that all the time. Not me and you, but just us on the outside who haven't played football. We kind of we use our thought processes and apply them to what a Premier League footballer, World Cup footballer, Champions League footballer must be going through in terms of their thought process as well. Obviously, it's just completely different. Like we've we've got no idea what that feels like. So maybe it didn't come into his head at all because he's you know just full on professional. Didn't wasn't thinking about it at all. Just took the right option, but for my kind of projecting what I would do onto him, I was just like, there was no way he was shooting because after what he, 
those three chances in the first half, if he'd missed that with Haaland to his left, um, I think he would have just walked off the pitch. Because when he missed that third one, he was like visibly fucked off, wasn't he? Like yeah. when he when he missed that one where it kind of came to the back post and he stuck his leg out and it went over the bar, he was like he said, Oh, like Haaland headed it first and it deflected and you know, which I can see. But when he missed that third one, he was just like hands on like hands around his head, like shaking his hands around his head, like, like this is this is just like this is a nightmare scenario, basically. And it, it's funny, isn't it? Because when Guardiola played that clip, well, you played that when you played that clip of Guardiola talking about uh, Grealish's chances, he said he missed some chances. He needs to, you know, get into his head that he's going to be aggressive and and do it. It reminds me of after he scored his first goal. I think it was against Norwich when you know bounced off his shin. I think there was the general, you know, is he going to score loads of goals? And he was like, if he's like Sterling, who at, you know at one point in his City career went, oh yeah. I want to score loads of goals. I want to get in those areas. I want to be aggressive and I want to be that guy. Then if he does if Grealish does that, then he can. But obviously he hasn't really done that. Um the I don't know if it because that third chance after he had his little reaction, I think he said he was telling Rico Lewis, who passed to him, who we'll talk about in a bit, that it, like the pass the ball bobbled a bit, and I think it did. But I, I don't know if it, there's that same kind of thing they were telling Sterling of you got to put your fo- your foot through it. You know, don't just like put your foot out and wait for the ball to to come off it. You've got to put your foot through it. And I, I saw a bit of that in that third chance, even with the bobble. It was kind it was just kind of trying to steer it in. And it's like if you just hit through that ball, even if you do get the bobble, yeah. the pace off the pace off your ankle or the other part of your foot, it might it might go in anyway. I, something something along those lines. Um, but yeah. And then when Guardiola talks about him being aggressive and stuff, I, I wonder if there's a bit of, again, this is just complete supposition, but I wonder if he's just caught in two minds generally about, you know, he was the one who was saying, I need to score more goals and assists. And Guardiola was like, look, don't worry about that so much. Do what you're doing. You know, all the other positional stuff and helping us keep the ball, you know, be patient left to right, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff is great. And then, because there was one point, wasn't it, after the Wolves game, because there was that whole pre-match build-up of Guardiola saying, look, he doesn't need to score goals. We didn't sign him for goals. And then he scored. And then after the game, Grealish was like, no, no, I do need to score more goals. But then he did an interview after that and he was like, look, it's not just stats. I'm also doing this for the team. And it's like, I wonder if he's just kind of trying to adjust to what he needs to do. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, as Guardiola said, he needs to improve in that. Like, as much as we've talked about him in the past, and I've been like, look, he's doing a lot of good stuff. But yes, obviously he does need to improve in this, this and this. And normally it's goals, assists, and taking people on or whatever. Like, there is that element, um, but yeah, at halftime last night, what can you say? Like he, he, he wasn't doing himself any favors in terms of the Leeds fans because obviously the Leeds fans were pissed off because he was getting fouled, and they were you know just the usual hating him because you know he's winning fouls and he's Jack Grealish. But it was like, if you score, then it's just brilliant. But then when you missed that amount of chances, I opened up Twitter at halftime or whatever, and it was like, oh yeah. The city, like he's not done yourself any favors with the city fans either, because there's just loads of why have we signed this guy? What does he do? Blah blah blah. And, and then yeah, the the two assists in the second half kind of just like bring bring a bit of balance to it because overall it was a it was a it was a good performance overall, wasn't it? But yes, yeah. obviously those missed chances, particularly the third one, they were bad. And like, but yeah, nobody's kind of saying otherwise. Yeah, but there was other good I, stuff he did. 
I did find the the half time discussion around him a little bit reductive again, though, because uh, uh, part of the discussion was uh, he needs to take on his man and he needs to run it run at his man. But the number of times that he received the ball on the left hand side and immediately had three men blocking his his path to the the penalty area, largely because of the of the situation he was in when he was receiving the ball, he's receiving it short from from Ake on the halfway yeah. line. He, he hasn't got the space to run into. And then the second half, as soon as he did have the space to run into, you know, one opportunity was it was admittedly straight through the middle, but he nicked it in and and, and ran and ran and ran and, and got the assist. And then I remember one incident in the second half where City didn't turn down the break and it was down the left hand side. He ran at his man and he he, he I think he either drew a foul or um, got it inside to, to De Bruyne and they got a chance via Mares on the other side. Um, in fact, there might have been two incidents that I'm mashing together in my head there. But as soon as he had space to run into, he was doing that. Yeah, but again, this is kind of what I'm saying with the article as well. Uh, whether it's a team level, and also, because it, it, it's the same for Mares, but people have got their own gripes with Mares. but it's like, it's this expectation. If you're turning on, expecting to see City charge through teams in all the spaces they're going to get because they're going to try and counterattack. Like, don't expect that. And if you're going to see, if you know, if you want to see City lose against a, a feisty team, don't necessarily expect that either because they want to shut it down. But it's the same thing with Grealish. Grealish is in that team. Like instead of Foden, you could say last night because he's going to slow the game down. He's going to be patient and he's going to help them go right, left, left, right. You know, he's. They don't want him necessarily. Every time, you know, obviously it's about picking your moments, which is what I said about what Bernardo said in terms of when there's the opportunity to attack, do it. But again, it's it's going back to after the Newcastle game when he was like, Phil's got this great aggression to to go. Haaland goes. He goes, but when you've got Grealish, when you've got Mares or Bernardo on the right, they slow the game down. And I can't like, stress it enough. That's what he's supposed to do. So yeah, if, if, if there's a conversation at halftime, I presume you mean on TV, maybe on Twitter as well, about, oh, he, he should be more aggressive and run at his man. It's like, there, there are times for that, but more often than not, he's doing exactly what he's been told. We just don't realise it. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's move on to... Uh, it, it's a weird kind of phrase that I've used for this one, Sam. I wanted to talk about unsung heroes. Um, largely, what I mean by that really is, is not players that are not getting uh, the attention because ultimately most of City's team get the attention at some point during the season. Um, but I, I want to I want to look at the players that don't immediately get the headlines from from this week. Uh, we spent a good while talking about Haaland, uh, not really touched on De Bruyne, but he does get a lot of attention generally. Um, one player in particular, though, deserves credit and great credit for the last two games, Rico Lewis. Um, what have you What have you made of his of his uh, performances since the World Cup break? What have I made of his performances since the World Cup? Well, um, against Liverpool. Well, both, in fact, because against Liverpool. My takeaway at the end of the game was he's done bloody well there considering he's playing against Liverpool in such an intense game and he's done everything he's he's needed to do and he's done it very well. And then you kind of... It's kind of like on a computer game, isn't it? Like you've got the difficulty multiplier and you go, well, he did that against Liverpool in a really intense game. So that's just so, so much more impressive. And then last night, because like that Liverpool game was obviously very difficult and very intense, but it was almost like, as I wrote after the match... It was kind of like the perfect friendly because it did matter, but it didn't matter as much as like the Premier League game yeah. or like a Champions League game or whatever. And then all of a sudden, he's trusted to play in a Premier League game. I did and you think-, think if he wasn't fully trusted, Guardiola would have bent over backwards to play like Stones at right back or Kanji at right back. Like how many times is like, oh, we could play this guy, and it's like, no, we'll just we'll just move around the senior players so they fit. 
Yeah, I did think that as I was because uh, I watched the game at, at uh, my mum and dad's, and the teams came out as I was driving home, and so they they did the team on the radio, and uh, I, as soon as as soon as they said, "Oh, three changes," uh, Stones comes in. I was like, "Oh, well, Stones is coming in at right back then, isn't he?" Um, right, and okay, no, yeah. he he didn't. He, he you know he he trusted Lewis to uh, to do it, and I thought, and, and and my my first thought was that is a big call from Guardiola. That is because yeah, yeah. because the game, the, the game the game matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game really does matter. Um, and like, um, so to go back to how he coped, uh, Leeds, they were basically setting traps anyway. They were waiting for the ball to go into midfield and then they would press. But obviously a lot of that was kind of focused on Lewis because that was what they were trying to do anyway. I was, I, you know, they, they, they did it with Rodri as well. But when there's an 18-year-old, you would say, you'd, you'd always try and look for the weak link in any team. City normally don't have them, do they? But I guess like if, you know, Akanji's playing right back, you'd be like, okay, let's get onto this guy. But when it's in midfield, you don't, have, you don't have to press high. You can, you know, it's, it's, you're already on the second line. So you don't have to risk too much by having City break your press. It was perfect for Leeds, really. We, we can press a guy in midfield who is a, a weak link in theory because he's 18 years old. He's not this senior international player like the rest of them. So they were closing in on him with two or three men like every time. Forshaw was just like kicking him. Which again, it's just part of the game, isn't it? Like you just would. Like if there's a young, there's a young lad on the other team, especially for a good team, just just get stuck into him and and see what he's made of. And in those circumstances, it was great. And I thought up and down in the first half because there was there was one time after like three or four minutes he gave the ball away and Leeds broke. And I was, obviously with my prism of this is a game when City can't give the ball away too much and invite counter-attacks. I was like, yeah, that's a bit of a, a black mark. And then there was, a, you know, just a couple of like passes going forward that maybe just weren't as crisp, but then the pitch was a bit bobby anyway. But then it was basically after 20 minutes or so, it was like, this this kid hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, and you think, settled down. It's not like, so I wrote an article about the Academy that was published two days ago um, about, you know, the training methods and all that kind of stuff. But like, they're not, even though like the coaching is kind of uniform all the way down and they're taught to play in this kind of Guardiola way, you know, right backs aren't taught to go into midfield when they're 14 years old. Yeah, exactly. That's just something you do when you go and train with the first team. So he's he's 18, just having like, having just turned 18 like a month ago or whatever. He's he's picked up all of these like kind of complex things that a Guardiola fullback needs to do. And if you kind of I know it's not exactly a fair comparison, but if you remember Guardiola's first season, you know, he had very experienced fullbacks that were kind of struggling to an extent. Like this is the system around the, them now is is better, but you know it's not necessarily easy to pick that up. He's picked it up straight away. He's done it in two very testing games, and then you start to think, well, if Guardiola's trusting him to play in the first Premier League game back at Leeds, which is obviously a game he's worried about because he's you know he's playing Grealish and Mahrez and he wants control. If you want control. And you're not sure about an 18-year-old playing in your defence. Then you don't play the 18-year-old. Like, what game couldn't he play in now? I mean, look, there's there's tough games coming up, isn't there? Like, there's there's Tottenham and there's there's United. There's a couple of games against Chelsea, and you know maybe he doesn't play in them. But maybe he does. Like Guardiola obviously loves this guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, what I've made of him since coming back from the World Cup. Like, even even with the you know giving the ball away early on, it's like, oh, he's 18 playing playing at Leeds in, in a big game at Christmas like what do you expect really like even if you had a shocker you'd be like okay well that's just part of the part of the process part of the development it's understandable but he was great and yeah like should have had that assist for Grealish as well really um 
attacking down the outside as well as supporting through the middle. Like it's, it's mad, really. Again, if City had assigned somebody like this, like if City had assigned Sergio Gomez, he'd be playing this well. He'd be like, "Fucking hell!" What a great, yeah, what a great move that was. Yeah, and he signed him when he was, and like he's been this city since he was six. Like signed in the under nines, been there the whole time. Like, absolutely mad. Yeah, I, I mean, just something to to kind of uh, mull over there, Sam, as well is is kind of how involved he could be for the remainder of the season because we we went into this season going well, City really need to sign a fullback, and then they didn't sign a fullback. Um, you've got kind of. You've got Gomez as a kind of half senior, half not senior fullback option. Yeah. But other than that, you've got Walker and Cancelo, and you look at the run in from here on in. We, we keep thinking of the World Cup break as the halfway point, and it's far from it. There's, you know, it's only just over a third of the season gone, and Walker had to miss a good chunk of the of the first bit of the season. So, can Lewis alleviate some of that problem? Well, again, you you would think so. Again, against Liverpool, it was. A semi-free hit, wasn't it? Or like at least it was a very difficult, very testing, very worthwhile free hit. Um, Leeds less so. Um, and again, if he's if he's trusting him to play against Leeds, when isn't he going to trust him? And then okay, maybe it isn't the Tottenham game. Maybe it isn't United away. Maybe it isn't the Chelsea games. Um, but then you know, if it's Chelsea in the FA Cup, maybe it is. Like if he's at that level already, when it's like, oh yeah, I can play Cole Palmer here. I can play Rico Lewis here. No problem. Then. That's that's what it's going to be. Um, and then if it's not those games, and if you you know talking about Everton, the next game play against Everton, of course he can at home certainly. And then you've got the other games coming up, which aren't those big ones. Yeah, he can definitely help out. And I think he's going to have to because injuries are one thing you can never predict them. But just with that kind of paucity of depth uh, at fullback. There's going to need to be rotations when there's Champions League games. You know, how many times does it get to April and it's like, okay, well, Walker and Cancelo will start in this game, but the next one is going to be a slightly different team. Or, you know, City have just battled their way to a win at, I don't know, Bayern Munich, let's say. And then they've got Palace away at the weekend. They're, they're, they're going to change that team. And like if, if Lewis has got so if we are talking about this hypothetical April run of fixtures. Well, it's that, always that April week, isn't it? That ends in yeah, the FA Lewis Cup semi-final. Got, yeah. yeah, and even if it's not, yeah, 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 like League Cup finals and all that kind of stuff from like February onwards. But if Lewis has got six weeks, two months, three months of fairly regular playing time under his belt, then yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be needed in those kind of bigger weeks. But yeah, I think if he's, honestly, if he started now, even with kind of fitness concerns after the World Cup if you started now and Guardiola hasn't just gone right we'll play a Kanji right back and we'll bring Rodri back to centre back and we'll play Gundogan in midfield or you know if he hasn't bent over backwards to not play an 18 year old which sometimes can be the case then what what game isn't he going to play in so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing um, when he features again obviously look with Walker coming back and, and Cancelo coming back that's the issue any young player's got is kind of that's it in a nutshell these are amazing players you got to be so good to dislodge them. But the fact that he's kind of dislodging them already, the fact that he's trusted already means that, okay, maybe maybe between now and the end of the season he doesn't play or maybe something horrible happens like with Cole Palmer who was getting a run in games last season, got to the start of January, got injured, he missed the rest of the season. But he's there, he's kind of planted his flag as it were and because he's so young, like Foden, Foden didn't play the games we all wanted him to play between the ages of 18 and 20. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he's not playing all the games you want to play now. But <laughs> he obviously broke through into that team like everybody was hoping. And if, you know, if how, how old's Foden now? 
22? Yeah, I mean, this is this is it. We're, we're seeing imagine it. Rico Lewis in four years. Like, four years is a long time. Yeah. If he's, I, playing, if he's a regular by the time he's 22, great. Your 22-year-old right back has come through City's academy. That's amazing. I'm just wondering if we're seeing it in the same process with, with Cole Palmer, though, because the, you mentioned, like, it, it was that Centurion season, wasn't it? The 17-18 season where Foden, where the clamour for Foden to start, to, to play a few yeah. games really started. Then the following season, he was he was still very very sparsely used in that eighteen nineteen yeah. domestic treble uh, season, but uh, like like it's all kind of been memory hold now because of how he's slowly worked his way into the team and become a first team starter. I think we're seeing the same sort of thing in uh, in kind of live action now with Cole Palmer. He's slowly coming into the team and there's there's clamour for him to play, but he doesn't really play that often. Then when he does play, does well sort of thing. Mm. Um, and I'm just wondering, like Lewis doesn't really seem to be fitting that bill because he was almost thrown in a bit earlier in the season, did all right. And then uh, it, it's like, he's played more this season than I expected him to for someone who did well in the first few games he played, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Just because, yeah, exactly. Because of how... Players have been used in the past, and we're all kind of like we talk. Well, I kicked off this podcast talking about what our expectations are versus what Guardiola's are, and I guess the whole it all ties into the same thing. You know, I kind of mentioned it before. If you want to control a game, and you kind of because look, the alternative is there's no point in dwelling on the alternative too much because, like I said, the way Guardiola does it delivers titles. So, what's the point in going? You should do this, should do that. But the alternative, obviously, is we'll just use all your weapons, go and blitz them. And it's the old Kevin Keegan. They they might score three, we'll score four kind of thing. And everyone would love that. Everyone, you know, would every, way more people would watch City games and you wouldn't have this boring debate or whatever. Um, but it's all about, you know, just kind of being paranoid about what the opposition can do. But he's right, because if you watch Brentford against Spurs and you see what they can do and you can see how they build momentum. And all of these teams that Guardiola was very worried about facing, they... They do build momentum in these ways, and that's why he wants to stop it. But then a part of that is, hey, if I want to play Greedis there because this is his type of game and he cuts back inside and he helps us recycle possession, but then you don't want an 18-year-old who is obviously good but a bit raw. You don't want them falling over and giving the ball away. Like last night, you know, we talked about Cancelo being the last man back at, at corners, and then obviously at Liverpool, he kind of got spun by Salah. And you think, the week before, I was thinking, this is a, this is a guy who's actually but there's yeah. like a fourteen percent chance he's just going to fall on his ass and let them run in and score. Like there was a couple of times last night where Lewis was the last man back, and you just think, oh god, imagine just as an eighteen year old, he just gets unlucky or something and, and slips or whatever. But again, these are all the things that Guardiola could be like, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I want to minimize this, I want to minimize that. And Akanji's played fifty games for Switzerland or whatever it is. And he's, you know, he started really well. So I'm going to play him there, and I'm not going to take that risk. I'm not going to, you know, there's no point in me playing Grealish and Mares in, 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 in the front line, and telling the team to be patient and all this. If I'm just going to blow it up by having an 18 year old give the ball away, in all these kind of paranoid thoughts in Guardiola's head of how a game could go wrong. Yeah, it is obviously easy to go. I do like that 18 year old, but I'm not going to trust him to play in this game. So yeah, to have skipped ahead to that level already where he is being trusted yeah like you're right it is kind of a surprise to see him do well even though yeah he did well earlier in the season Guardiola brought him on quite often at the end of games and you know he absolutely loved him in in pre-season which is where all this stems from it is still a surprise to see him starting starting Premier League games as an 18 year old for City is very rare and look like I say there is post-World Cup fitness concerns but there's no crisis here you know he's Guardiola wasn't forced yeah down yeah, to the bare bones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's the that's the key thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
exactly exactly yeah. um and yeah like, like i said i've said it a lot of times now but if you play if you can play against leeds away from home like there's not many games you won't play him in Another name that I want to throw into the unsung hero uh, conversation, Sam, is uh, Nathan Ake. Um, perhaps more sung a little bit recently, but I think he does, does deserve uh, a bit of praise for his return. Um, I, I maybe wasn't that trusted in the running last year. Maybe was uh, was a little bit more injured than than uh, we we realised at the time. I'm not yeah, really yeah, sure, yeah. but he, he definitely he's definitely earned his place uh, this season, and he is he's kind of well worth his place this season. Yeah, he is. Um, again. I think we uh, we have mentioned this, but we talk so much about, you know, in the whole Grealish debate of every time we talk about him, I say, look, remember Bernardo's first season, Sane's first season, Mara's his first season, you know, even like Nolito and Torres, you know, they had first season, difficult first season, then never really stuck around to for it to get better. But like, basically everyone's first season is very difficult. Rodri as well. Um, obviously, kind of infamously difficult first season, and now he's just majestic. Um but we, you don't really think about it with defenders. And I don't know, I, personally, whenever I see a City lineup that's changed, like it can make as many changes to the defence as you like. And I'll just be like, oh, whatever. But it's up front. It's like, oh, Foden's playing today. Oh, Grealish is playing today. Oh, it's Mara's on the right. Oh, it's Bernardo on the right. I'm always looking for the changes in the front line and in midfield. In defence, it's just kind of like, well, it doesn't really matter. You just come in and, and do your job. And yeah, I think they're it's all really to, good. Yeah. It's, it's just, but it's just kind of easy to overlook the kind of process of adaptation needed because basically that's just it, isn't it? It's like, just come in and don't fuck up. Like obviously, there's differences in how to, City's defenders use the ball, you know, Stones and Laporte being the better two on the ball. Um, but it's just, just just come in and do your job. It, you, you're not really expected to, to change the game. And then, like I say, that's my personal kind of view. Whenever I see the changes in the team, it's just like, okay, for whatever. But, it's easy to overlook the defenders and how much time they need to come and settle in. And obviously Ake was playing with Bournemouth where he was kind of defending on his own penalty spot or, you know, he wasn't bringing the ball out with a lot of time. And, you know, he was always kind of adept on the ball because of the way he came through at Chelsea, but it was never kind of his main strength and he wasn't defending on the halfway line. And these are adaptations that he's needed to make. And obviously in the first season, didn't play an awful lot of games. Even in the second season, not an awful lot. And whenever he did, it was kind of back out again. It was, oh, you've done very well there, but, you know, Laporte's back now, so we'll bring him in. But obviously this season, he has been one of the one of the most reliable centre-backs, hasn't he? Whether we're talking form or whether we're talking fitness. And obviously he has, he has had injuries himself. But he has been one of the ones you could call upon. And obviously he played left-back last night. The way they kind of set up, it was also as a kind of left-sided centre-back at times. He had to win a lot in the air. Um, there was a lot of play down City's left early on so you know obviously you've got to be solid enough on the ball he wasn't playing too many um, incisive passes but again that wasn't what City needed it was just you know go inside to Rodri go back outside to to Gundogan and Grealish and whatever um, and that that's what he does he's just very kind of simple and effective and after you know this bedding in period and again you talked about like Nanito and Torres who were gone he could have gone after two seasons he could have obviously with the Chelsea thing he could have decided, well, I'm not, I'm not playing that much. I've done all right, actually, but I'm not, I'm not getting the opportunity. So I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to play more often. But obviously, he didn't. Did he? Did he pat the badge when he scored against Liverpool last week? Yeah, I think he did. Um, so you know, there's he's obviously kind of growing into it more and more. And the only way he could do that at this stage is being trusted to play more games. Um, again, 
it's going to be interesting because when Cancelo comes back and when Walker's coming back, those two are going to play. And all of a sudden, those five centre-backs you've got are getting squeezed down to, to two positions. Um, Stones was great. You know, Stones has been great this season, I think, unless I'm massively forgetting something. I thought he was really good last night. I didn't put a foot wrong. I thought it was fantastic last night. Um, instinctively, I'm always thinking Stones and Laporte are the ones you'd want to play. But again... I've already said I'm, I'm, I don't really get too worried about changes in the defence. But if I saw Stones and Ake playing, yeah, fine. And again, if, if Ake has to play left back, certainly on last night's evidence, absolutely fine. So, yeah, no problem yeah, at all. It's, it's, and it, again, like, it's, it's a difficult role to play. It's like with Phillips. You get signed for 40 million. That's kind of cheap for City, isn't it, generally? I know they've signed Alvarez and, and Gomez and Akanji for much cheaper now. But that 40 million is kind of that's like squad role level. Like when they signed Phillips for around 40, it was because they didn't want to spend 100 million on like Rice or Chirimeni or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you're going to come in, you're not going to expect to play every week. But when you do play, we expect you to be great. And it's it's not easy because you've got to adapt to City, but not many games to do it. And obviously we're going to see that with Phillips now. And he's had the shoulder injury too. So he's not got started. But Ake only now in the end of his second season and now obviously coming into his third, are we starting to see that? And it, it's not easy. Uh, and he could have gone, um, but it is it is working out, and it, obviously it will be interesting come the end of the season to see which of those five centre backs has kind of managed to stake their claim, or if City just get the whole way through the season, just rotating every week, and everyone plays, and that's how it is. Like it, it will be interesting to see how that goes because obviously five centre backs doesn't often um, translate, and especially if Rico Lewis is going to play more at right back, then you don't have the option to play Stones or a Kanji as an extra one. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, but Ake, as far as I'm concerned at the moment, he's near the top of that list. Like if you were thinking one of these five, if it was like Big Brother style, one of these five centre-backs has got to leave in the summer, who's it going to be? Like in terms of on, based on performances and co- actual contribution, like Ake wouldn't be among my contenders at the moment. Yeah. But then I don't yeah. know who those contenders would be. I'm, yeah, I'm so I, I, I was going to say, that's a really, really hard conversation to have then, isn't it? Yeah. After, after that point. Um, yeah. Which of these five centre-backs would you get rid of and why is it Diaz? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, covering men's health is uh, one, one of the uh, one of the issues I think Grealish has with him. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll skip over that. Um, Final name uh, to chuck in, and, and this is not an unsung hero, but we don't—I don't think we talk about him enough—is uh, uh, Rodri. Um, he was just—he was just so good against Leeds. Um, just knows what to do. Yeah, just, just knew, what knew what to do. do. Right knew when to release it, when to hold it, when to attack. He was I'd, honestly. Um, I, I I would go as, as as far as saying that's probably as damn near a perfect holding midfielder um, performance you'd want in a Guardiola City team. Uh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is the thing, isn't it? Like, I did a little bit on the on uh, BBC Radio Manchester before the game with Michael Brown, and we were asked, you know, Phillips, it's not really worked out so far. And Brownie just kind of went, "Ah, oh, that's absolutely ridiculous," and he kind of answered it. And I, but I was like, obviously, the way I've kind of talked about Grealish is exactly the same way I'll talk about Phillips. Like, he's only just started. Like, what's the point in having this conversation? Now, especially with the injuries and the World Cup break, so he's barely had a chance anyway. But when we talk about giving players chances, like Rodri is the high priest of this example. Like everyone hated him in his first season. Like, do you remember the old Rodri and Gundogan can't play together days? Yeah, yeah. And and like just 
the whole thing was, you know, he needs to learn. You know, what, what did I say like a minute ago? He, he always makes the right decision. Whether that's with the ball or without the ball, he always makes the right decision. But what he needed to learn at the start was, oh, there's danger there. Do I go and run towards it and try and close it down? Oh, they've gone past me. Oh, they're counterattacking now. Oh, shit. We've got Fernandinho and Otamendi at centre-back. <laughs> Everything's on fire. Or, you know, does he does he wait and, and learn? Actually, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hold this position. Like now, all of those decisions he makes are absolutely perfect. Like again, this is me kind of projecting my thoughts onto an action, which may have no bearing with the reality. But there was a time yesterday when um, Leeds actually did break beyond him. I don't think through any real fault of his own, but they did break beyond him. There was a big hole in midfield. Grealish ended up racing all the way back across. Akanji ended up going back, coming out wide and being right back. Lewis obviously dropped in at centre back, and City were like organisationally all over the place. Everyone was filling in for each other, but not in proper roles. And obviously, as soon as like centre-backs get dragged out wide, you start thinking there's going to be problems here. And then the ball bobbled around a bit and Rodri just battered it down the pitch. He just booted it like 80 yards. And I was thinking, does he know that they're that unorganised here? There's no point in trying to play the normal... Because how often does Rodri just boot it clear? Yeah, it never happens. Especially with like 10 minutes into the second half. It just doesn't happen. But I was thinking, is he just booting that? Because he's like, right, we could try and play out. But then if we lose it, we've still got Akanji at right back. We've still got Lewis at centre-back. We've still got Grealish at holding midfield. We just need to get this ball down the pitch. Everyone goes back to where they need to, and then we'll just set up again. And I was like, I didn't tweet about it. Because it just, you know, when football reporters are like, oh, the way that he played this two-yard <laughs> was majestic. And it's like, fuck me, come on. But I was like, is he? I was like, is that the most thoughtful hoof? in the history of football. Like, has Rodri just gone, no, I'm not taking any chances here. This is what we need to do at this moment in time. It's get the ball miles away. We'll reorganise. And even if they've got the ball, at least everyone's in the right position. And I'll just, again, this is me kind of projecting possibly nonsense. But how often does Rodri just boot it clear? Yeah, never It doesn't happen, does it? So I was like, that's a, I, was, I think that's a kind of really smart decision he's taken there. But yeah, he's just always, he's always there to take the ball, release it. It's always in the right position to kind of win it back. Like, and it, again, do you ever have that thing where it's like a certain player's got the ball and you just think, ah, oh, this is all right now. Like last night for me, it was Stones and Rodri. And I remember actually thinking, I think the ball went forward. Stones like headed it, like he was kind of stretching, but he headed it back where it came from. And it fell to Rodri. And I was like, between those two, you don't have to worry. Yeah. You, you don't have to worry about them giving the ball away, about Leeds attacking, like, or City like rushing and, you know, trying to counterattack too soon. Rodri's going to know or maybe, maybe I could play that 10, 15-yard ball up there. We can go up the pitch. Actually, I'm just going to hold on to it. We'll go back to Edison. We'll start again. Uh, and yeah, he, he, he is great. Everyone knows he's great now. But it's just it's just like, it's worth remembering, isn't it, when we when we talk about players in their first months or seasons with City, like we did just did with Ake then. It's not, it's not easy straight away. And, you know, the, it, the first season can be very different. But, I mean, the way he's bedded in, yeah, superb. Bless City, yeah. They're really lucky to have him. Yeah. Um, final thing for this week's show, Sam, it is our last show of uh, 2022. So uh, any particular highlights from the last 12 months for you from uh, City yeah. pitch, on, on or off the pitch? I mean, there was something I noticed the other day that a picture I'd taken and I was like, oh, that was that must have been like three or four years ago. And it said that I took it in April. And so my concept of of time is all over the place. Like the World Cup has absolutely thrown everything out as well. So what happened this year for a start? Um, what did I particularly enjoy? But I mean, it's just, I know it's obvious, but it's obvious for a reason. 
and it's like saying, what's the greatest City moment of all time? I go, well, it's just Aguero scoring against QPR, isn't it? So then, what's the what's the best City moment of 2022 or the most memorable? Just It's just that Villa game, isn't it? Yeah. Because as soon as Coutinho scores that goal, it looks so simple. And the way the ball went in and the silence in the stadium was just kind of like, okay, well, that, that must have been offside or there must be handball. You know, that... You just you just waiting for the imaginary VAR just to stick their oar in and say actually yeah that doesn't count. It's like no, it does count. What is happening here? Like this is the worst case scenario, and then obviously to go and turn it around in the way they did was actually you know ten years on from Aguero, it was a moment, it was a game to rival that most unrivable game. You know you can't. I don't think you'll ever top drama like that Aguero moment just because it was the first time it's happened. You know it might happen again. But that was the first time it happened. But that Villa game was right up there. And as as much as it's obvious, like it's obvious for a reason. Like I don't know what I'm. I'm trying to think of like little moments in games or goals I've enjoyed. I could put put up there as well. But any, anything I mentioned would just be a kind of just pales in, into insignificance. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just it's just not the same, is it? Like I, I remember just just kind of sitting there motionless and emotionless when Gundogan scored the goal. But I was just thinking, fuck, this is unbelievable. Like, I, Considering like 15 minutes ago, I was like, oh my God, they're actually fucking this up. Because the context being at West Ham, I remember messaging another reporter who wasn't at the game. And I was like, I feel like they're messing this up. I feel like they've, they fucked this and they're not going to win. But I was, I, but I know I trust City to actually come back and, and be all right, even though it feels, it feels like this is all blowing up. And obviously, they kind of did the business against West Ham but that Mares missed penalty kind of kept everyone on the hook didn't it and then obviously when Coutinho scored I was thinking God I wish Mares have I been way too in. optimistic yeah. over this last week <laughs> like are they fucking this up like is this is actually this is actually going terribly wrong isn't it like City aren't creating anything they're 2-0 down and I mean they'd already made subs like, they already brought Gundogan on yeah Gundogan and came then, on then it went 2-0 and then it went 2-0 it was like they've already made subs and like yeah, and this is happening. And then, yeah, just to bring it back like that. It being the end of the year, I hope it's on Sky, actually, in the next few days because it would be good to watch that game again, either extended highlights or the full thing, just because it is just absolutely mad, isn't it? And then, you know, as I've always, I always say this as well, like last, a couple of seasons ago, I know it was a pandemic season, so the enjoyment wasn't the same, but we were doing podcasts in like March when City were like 15 points clear and I was like, look, City are, a blitz in the title just enjoy it like there's no way City aren't going to win the league now it's the middle of March they've just played Everton they're going to win you know this is it let's enjoy it but like last season obviously you can't enjoy it because it's just horrible isn't it because Liverpool are there and they could win the quadruple and all of this but it's like if you then get to that stage where you can celebrate the title and in that way you just got to milk this for all it's worth like because there's not many times in football you can actually enjoy the success even as a fan because now everyone kind of lives it as if they're a player and it's always the next game the most important or whatever it's like this is the best way to win a title like it's the best way to win a title isn't it doing it on the last day it's hard like the it's up and down and it puts your emotions through the ringer but it's much better to do that than win it by like 20 points isn't it yeah and just it's just the best way it's just clearly the highlight of the year and then just just enjoy it for as long as possible I think the ultimate answer, though, Sam, is that I like the having done it. I don't like the doing of it. Yeah, well, yeah, because obviously <laughs> once it's done, you can say you can actually retrospectively say, "Oh, that was fun," wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can't do um, that until it's over. 
but then yeah, you can't. But then by the same token, if you know, if if City had won that game two 0 the celebrations would have been obviously very animated because all City had to do that that day was win the game. And obviously, if you're nervous about it, you know. But just you can't fake that emotion. Like that's that's the best thing about sport. It's the best thing about football. Um, and even in all this waffle about that that game. Um, I still haven't been able to think of anything else I can even mention alongside it. Um, so it's just that. It's just, just that. that. And, you know, I hope you know everyone always kind of looks back at the year at this at this time of year anyway, and amid all the other things that have gone on in our lives, whatever they may be, good or bad. Like if, if you're a city fan listening to this podcast, like you you're going to be thinking about where you were on that last game of the season, whether you were in the stadium or in the pub or whatever. It was just uh, just a mad day that never just it just never really. Seems to happen even with other teams in terms of winning the league on the last day in that kind of drama. It's it's kind of a unique city thing, and yeah, yeah, enjoy that, and then think about Everton at home next, and where they where Guardiola's paranoid thoughts, and and where where things can go wrong. Yeah, well, uh, that's for next week though. But for this week, that's it. So uh, that's the end of this week's Why Was Us. Thank you to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much, and happy New Year to everyone. I hope you yeah. enjoy the. The football, yeah. above all. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic before New Year's Day for a pound a month for the first 12 months by using the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.